Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. This podcast is brought to you by Green and Black's Velvet Edition, a delicious range of sumptuously smooth dark chocolate. Welcome back to the Women's Podcast. I'm Roisin Ingle, and we have a very special episode for you today, which has been a few months in the making. Today, Monday the 6th of January, is the Feast of the Epiphany, which for those in the Catholic and Protestant tradition marks the visit of the Magi, or the three wise men to Jesus, and the baby's physical manifestation to the Gentiles. It's sometimes called Three Kings Day, and you might also know it as Little Christmas, or Women's Christmas, or even Nulag Naman. So happy Nulag Naman to all our listeners. And here on the Women's Podcast, we decided to combine the two things, Nulag Naman and the Feast of the Epiphany, by asking a wide range of women of all ages and backgrounds for their own epiphanies. Moments that changed them or taught them something. Our good friend Oprah Winfrey calls them aha moments. As you will hear, epiphanies vary. It can be something momentous and life-changing or something small that follows us through life like a good piece of sound advice. We hope you can take inspiration from these epiphanies. They come from all sorts of women, from Samantha Power, Andrea Kaur and some of our own contributors. We hope that these epiphanies help you to reflect on the moments in your own lives when something important occurred to you or resonated with you and informed your life in a positive way. First up, it's Booker Prize winning author Margaret Atwood with her epiphany about how she found her life's path. My name is Margaret Atwood. I'm a writer and here is my epiphany. One day in 1956, as I was crossing the football field of my high school wearing a princess line pink dress, which I had sewn myself in my home economics class, ornamented with a beautiful gold button, which I have still kept, it occurred to me that I was not going to be a botanist or a home economist after all. I was going to be a a writer because as I was crossing that football field, I was composing in my head a fairly bad poem that I thought was pretty good. But that was the moment when I thought, goodbye pink dress, it's black from now on. My name is Rosita Boland. I'm an Irish Times journalist, and my epiphany relates to journalism, the profession I work in. A couple of years after starting to work as a reporter, and after various people were mad at something I'd written, I realised that the most controversial thing in reporting a story was the truth. I'd naively believed that truth was surely the one thing that everyone wanted uncovered. It is not. For all sorts of reasons, People and organisations frequently try to keep the truth hidden. That's why uncovering truth, sometimes facts and figures, sometimes issues with wider implications for society, is so controversial and so important. That epiphany has been at the forefront of my mind ever since in every story I work on. 
My name is Tererai Trent. I am the founder of Tererai Trent International Foundation. I, uh, we build uh, schools, we rebuild schools in Zimbabwe and provide quality education to all children despite their gender and their economic background. My aha moment in life was when my mother said, your dreams will have greater meaning when they are tied to the betterment of your community. That's what makes us successful. I had never thought about that, and now I'm finding it, yeah. If you want to be successful in your life, you better tie your personal goals. Because at the end of the day, it's not about those personal goals. It's not about those personal dreams. Neither is it about the education. But it is about how you tie that education and your personal goals to the betterment of humanity. My name is Isol Tailish. I'm an editor and a director of film and my epiphany this year, I think, was that you only get to live once. So try and listen to the voice that's quieter than the doubt and the inner critic. And don't always look for permission. Back yourself and the rest will follow. And my favourite example of that is when I got a twirl bar and dipped it into runny peanut butter without anyone's permission. and It was absolutely delicious. <laughs> I'm Andrea Kaur and I am a musician and I've also written a book called Barefoot Pilgrimage. I had an epiphany moment when I was reading A Tale of Two Cities by Charles Dickens. And the epiphany was that art has been trying to teach us through the ages that we are getting better. Even though it's gradual, we are getting better as people, not as depicted on the news that we see. And these lines were this. I see the vengeance, the juryman, the judge, long ranks of the new oppressors who have risen on the destruction of the old, perishing by this retributive instrument before it shall cease out of its present use. I see a beautiful city and a brilliant people rising from this abyss and in their struggles to be truly free, in their triumphs and defeats through long years to come, I see the evil of this time and of the previous time of which this is the natural birth, gradually making expiation for itself and wearing out. Hi, my name is Diana Theodores. I'm an executive performance coach and director of Theatre for Business. I had an epiphany many years ago seeing a Broadway production of The King and I, and this was with the original cast of Yule Brenner playing the king and Gertrude Lawrence as the governess. And I was a child watching this and Gertrude Lawrence came sweeping out onto the stage for the ballroom scene, Shall We Dance, wearing a magnificent lilac gown. Somehow or other, the end of the gown got caught, perhaps on a nail. And as she waltzed out onto the stage, it started to unravel. A very quick-witted stagehand, or someone in the chorus, just leapt out and gathered it beautifully and gracefully. He gathered up all the tool as it was coming apart into his arms and kind of threw it in a flourish as if it was like confetti and just part of the act. As a child, I watched this and I was enthralled. And that was an epiphany for me because it showed me then that if you act with intention, you can make anything right in the moment. 
And that act as if, and act with intention, has stayed with me forever. And it's one of my key insights and tools when I'm coaching executives. Hello, it's Bernice here. My epiphany is, a few years ago, we had to clear out uh, my husband's parents' house after both of them died very quickly within a very brief space of time of each other. So their house was there and they had to clear it and they had lovely things. And they had obviously years and years of collecting various, you know, china and very just nice things, you know. And the thing was, nobody wanted them. They were all their things. Nobody wanted them. They'd accumulated so much things. And it made me think, you know what? Don't accumulate things. Give things away now. Uh, we don't need all the stuff we have. We need to stop accumulating stuff. We need to stop filling our houses with stuff. Um, and ever since then, I think I've been less of a shopper. I, I would accumulate very little now. And uh, it's not all sort of the Marie Kondo, you know, sparks joy. But maybe it is, actually. And maybe it is a zeitgeist thing as well, that we're all supposed to stop shopping and stop accumulating so much pointless stuff. Hi, I'm Sonia Lennon and here's my epiphany. I was really stressed about my first business enterprise and I was speaking to a friend of mine who said that the thoughts of doing something was always a hundred times worse than actually doing it and that changed my outlook completely. And when I got used to that idea, um, I just built that muscle. My name is Alva Smith and I am a feminist, LGBT, socialist, etc. campaigner. And I've had many light bulb moments, but one I remember in particular was when I was a very young woman, my early 20s. I had just got a job as a very junior lecturer in Ireland's biggest university. And I arrived in and was all set to go and very pleased and proud and thrilled that I had a job, thrilled I had a job in a university as an academic. And then I began to realise that I was surrounded by these senior, older men who thought that they had some kind of God-given right to make comments to me about my appearance and to manhandle me and touch me and pat my bottom and stroke my back and ask me out on dates when I knew that they were equipped with wives and families. And I, something very important shifted for me at that moment. I thought power is so unequally distributed and men have it all. And it was at that moment that I began to think there has to be another way. And very luckily, the women's movement happened just a few years later. And you could say that that really was the beginning of my real life. My name is Samantha Power. I'm the author of The Education of an Idealist, a memoir, and I was U.S. ambassador to the United Nations under Barack Obama. And when I was in that role, I was distraught to note that freedom and human rights had been receding around the world over the previous decade. Um, and... Sometimes that feeling of seeing demagogues rising and xenophobia rising and human rights in decline could be very overwhelming. And my epiphany, though, was the idea of shrinking the change instead of focusing on 
an abstraction like freedom in decline or a human rights recession to sit down with my team and instead to come up with a campaign to try to secure the release of 20 female political prisoners. So we launched this campaign called Hashtag Free the 20 and working with the lawyers and the family members of women who'd been jailed around the world helped secure the release of 16 of the 20 women. And so the epiphany that grows out of Shrink the Change is the idea that while you may not be able to change the entire world, needless to say, uh, if you are activated and do your best and don't give up and work harder than other people, you may be able to change many individual worlds. Hi, I'm Panty Bliss, and my epiphany happened in 1979 when I and um, the rest of the country all went to see Pope John Paul. And in my case, my mother shoved a pile of us kids and a load of brown bread sandwiches into the Volkswagen, and we drove to Clare Morris, County Mayo, where the car was parked, and then we got shuttle buses eight miles to knock. And we waited all fucking day for the Pope to arrive. The weather was miserable. In 1979, apparently, portaloos had not been invented. And so the portaloo was essentially a giant hole in the ground with a two wooden planks across it. They had to balance on while taking a dump into the pits of hell. And we sat in this damp field, surrounded by you know, nuns and shopkeepers and whatever, farmers with bottles of TK lemonade filled with milky tea. And we waited and waited and waited, getting damper and colder and more miserable. And every time a helicopter would go over, first of all, a helicopter in 1979 in Mayo, you know, that was exciting enough. Um, but the idea that the Pope might be in it, you know, the world's greatest celebrity, the only celebrity at the time, and, and he was Irish. I mean, Polish and Ireland was the same to us. And then he did arrive, and he was a tiny speck. I mean, they told us he arrived. There was no uh, digital screen technology in 1979. So there was a white speck way in the distance, which we were told, assured, was the Pope. And then this echoey, because the sound system thing across these fields, mass happened. And it was more boring than even the most boring mass. And I always thought mass is boring. It dragged on for hours, and we'd already been there for hours. It was totally miserable. But the whole thing was going to be worth it when the Pope-mobile drove around at the end with the Pope in it. Uh, because we had really built up the Pope-mobile. There was items on children's TV. It was on everything. The specially built. It was bulletproof glass, all that. And this was, we were going to get, see him, because he'd drive close, and we'd you know, get out the Kodak film and take a picture and hope that it came out later, and that would be worth it. It would all be worth it. And then they say, actually, the Pope's not going to come around, because it's getting dark, and he has to fly back to Dublin. Like, helicopters can fly in the dark. I, I never understood that. What was the fucking problem with the dark? But anyway, the mass had gone on so long, it was too late, he had to go, so he didn't go around. And, thing. and that is all, even the nuns and everything, that's all anybody was waiting for. And everything, everybody was designed into corrals, and he was supposed to go around, and as he passed each corral, that would be let out. And you'd get onto that, your buses and you'd take off. But because he didn't come around, everyone thought, fuck this, and left. And it meant there was chaos. They couldn't get any of the buses down. So in the pitch dark Mayo night, like country dark, walking eight miles, I was 12, um, with my sisters and all that, hanging on to my mother, who was pissed off, 
eight miles in the pitch dark down country lanes with, you know, I don't know, whatever, 250,000 other people, all also miserable. Fucking your Pope stools being tossed into ditches. It was scary and terrifying and miserable and awful. It was the worst experience of my life uh, up to that point and probably still. And uh, I just thought, this is entirely bullshit. Everything about this thing is bullshit. It was built up to this huge big thing and it is nothing but a miserable day in a wet field. I could have done that yesterday on my own, no problem. And I wouldn't have had to walk eight miles to get home. There was nothing divine about it. There was nothing godly about it. It was just like a personality cult and a really badly managed one. And that was the day that I thought, right, this world and me are not on the same thing. And I don't get any of this. And it's all bullshit and the Pope's naked, you know, has no clothes, whatever. And I, I, I honestly remember sitting in the car, eventually in the car, the, the tension. And my mother like gripping the steering wheel, you know, the veins in her hand, like, you know, because imagine how miserable she was. And um, all these kids and everything crying. And I just thought, this is all bullshit. This is not me. Every, I'm never going to even consider, you know, anything about a priest again or whatever. And I, I wouldn't say that I became like an atheist or anything at that moment. It wasn't like that. But I always, I say, I did take the first step and I became a Protestant that day. <laughs> My name is Sarah Phillips. I'm the chair of Transgender Equality Network Ireland. I realised that I needed to stop trying to be something male, female, trans, whatever. I realised that I am just me and that's all it needs to be. Hi, my name's Joanne McNally. I'm a comedian and my epiphany is that comparison is the thief of joy. And I think as a female performer, women are kind of pitted against each other in a way that men are not because there's probably not as many spaces at the top for us. Um, So we can kind of, there's a tendency to be elbowing each other out of the way and it's unkind and not healthy for our own brains. And I heard Marion Keyes once say... If you're jealous of another woman, imagine she's your best friend or even make her your best friend. Befriend her. And then it takes all the tension out of it. So that would be my epiphany. Reach out. Befriend everyone. Well, just the women. (laughs) The Irish Times Women's Podcast is brought to you by Green and Black's Velvet Edition. Sumptuously smooth, dark chocolate. My name is Alison O'Connor. I am a journalist, a feminist and a mother. And actually just the other day, um, my nine-year-old daughter reminded me of a moment of epiphany in my life, which actually happened when I was just about the same age as her. She said to me, I don't know, it was over the breakfast table, I don't know what I'm going to be when I grow up. And I said to her, well, I mean, it's a bit early to be worrying about that. You know, you have an awfully long time uh, to make up your mind. And she said, but that it wasn't like that for you. And she's actually correct, because when I was her age um, in the National School in Bantry in West Cork, where I went to school, we once had a school mass. And afterwards, our teacher asked us to pretend we were journalists and to write a report on that mass, which I did and which I enjoyed so much. I decided there and then. I wanted to be a journalist and that never left me. I never wavered. I never wanted to be something, anything else. And that's what I studied and that's what I do to this day. And I really realise how lucky I am because I love it as a profession. And I realise how lucky I am that I knew what I wanted to do. And I also realise it puts a little pressure on my daughters. (laughs) I'm Deirdre Mortel from Social Innovation Fund Ireland. When I was finishing my degree 
in UCC. I did a business degree. Everyone in my class was doing what's called the milk round, where companies come round and invite you to apply to them and you listen to them talk about how great they are. And I just could not make myself go into those talks. Like My legs would not carry me into them. And I couldn't figure out why. And it took me a little while to realize that I was never going to be that person who could work in a big company and fit in and that that was okay. I could go and find another path and do things that I wanted to do and that I believed in, not knowing yet what that path was, but that it would show itself to me at the right time. Hi, my name is Trisha Smith and I work as the head of diversity and inclusion for Dell for Europe, Middle East and Africa. My epiphany moment happened at the Simmons Conference last year with Lara Logan, the 60 Minutes reporter, and she was telling about her attack in Tahir Square and her sexual assault. And she said one line that just stayed with me and I've actually thought nearly every day since. And she said that she realised if it wasn't reported, it never happened. And she was saying in the context of her assault the numbers of women that are being assaulted all the time. And then I thought about it in a work context in terms of the fact that women are less likely to talk about I did this and I did this and I did this. And uh, often now in work, and I think, if it's not reported, it didn't happen. And that was my aha moment. Hi, my name is Margaret Heffernan. I'm an entrepreneur and I'm an author. And my epiphany was prompted by an experience in a Chinese restaurant. So I was running my first company, and part of what the company did was negotiate with trade unions. And I was having a kind of initial introductory lunch with the head of a union I was going to be negotiating with. And he invited me to this Chinese restaurant, and he ordered the dishes. And when they came, they were all this kind of weird array of body parts. So they were kind of ducks' tongues and chickens' feet. And it was just it was kind of grotesque. But it was also a really obvious challenge. It was a, how tough are you? And I thought, oh, boy, did you choose the wrong woman, <laughs> right? Because I've been brought up, you know, to just eat whatever you're offered. So I ate everything, and I came away thinking, ah, that'll show him. And I think for years, I was really proud that I was so tough. And then, maybe 10 years after that, I was sitting on a plane, flying from Boston to the West Coast, and I'd recently had my daughter, and I was thinking, well, what, you know, when she's grown up, and if she has a daughter who asks, you know, what was your mum like? I wonder what she'll say. And I thought, well, she'll probably say what everybody always says about me. She'll probably say she was really tough. And I just, at the moment that came into my head, I thought, this is not what I want to be known for. It just sent chills down my spine and I thought tough is what guys are Margaret you know you have been trying so hard to fit in and now you really have to figure out who you want to be on your own terms and I really had no idea what that was but it did make me think okay I, I need to figure this out now I need to figure out who I want to be on my terms if anybody's ever going to have anything to say about me beyond, wow, she's really tough. My name is Megan Phelps Roper, and I am the author of Unfollow and a former member of Westboro Baptist Church. And my epiphany was that the things I had been taught all my life, 
that my church had the one true faith and that everyone else was going to hell didn't have enough evidence to support it. My epiphany was that we were just people, not divine instruments of God, and that we needed to be humble and gentle and compassionate to outsiders and not hateful. That epiphany came from conversations I was having with people on Twitter who took the time to listen and to speak with gentleness and and compassion to me. Hi, my name is Kasia and I work for Cisco Systems Poland, Krakow. I am uh, responsible for customer success specialist. So I manage a team of technology freaks. And my epiphany moment was when I had the first child and becoming a mom is a full-time job. But then there was a moment of uh, realization that there is a time when you have to start thinking about yourself back, not only about the kid. And that was it for me. Because I knew that if I'm not going to do it, then I'm going to lose myself completely. So I guess that's what it is, right? Get back to yourself and make sure you take care of yourself, not only about others. My name is Catherine Cleary and I'm a journalist. My epiphany this year came in the form of uh, two words, two very simple words, just this. Um, so all of that rushing to the future and back to the past, uh, I realised there is just this and just this might be cycling my bike somewhere in the cold or washing up. It's a way of having a little tiny moment of mindfulness and I found it great to go, you know what, there's just this at this moment um, and then there'll be another just this and then another just this and that's life. And if I can think like that, then life will feel like I'm actually living it. My name's Michelle Bond and I work at Cisco. And I, yeah, I was thinking about my epiphany and it was funny, it was a very small moment, but I remember it was actually so powerful. I'd just come back from Australia. Um, I'd been working there and I got a job in a company in Ireland. And after about six months, I kind of realized that they'd hired me for something completely different to what I thought it was going to be. And growing up in the 80s, you know, parents out of work, your job is everything. And I was so conditioned to think, I'm kind of stuck here and I need to keep doing this job. And I have no choice. And I remember one night thinking, hang on a second. It's 2005. Look, we're in the heights of Celtic Tiger. There's so much jobs out there. I can make this decision and I can decide I don't want to work here anymore. And the minute I decided that and kind of had that thought, and it was literally just a spark, I went, oh my God, I totally can stop working at this place. So I did, I left and I found a new job. I'm working with Cisco since then. But it was just that moment of freedom, of empowerment, of realizing that, you know, I, I don't have to stay in the one job for the rest of my life because I'm not, you know, you know yourself. So it was actually an amazing moment to feel like you are in control of your own destiny. And that was it. Hi, my name is Laura Kennedy. Uh, I'm a writer. And my epiphany happened uh, as a teenager when I got into philosophy and I was reading Seneca and he described anger as a misplaced expectation. Kind of blew my mind. Um, it made me realise that getting angry is a miscalculation that I'm making because I expect behaviour from other people. And then when it doesn't happen, I get angry. So um, it kind of spurred a process where I still do it now. Um, I try to remember not to expect complete reasonableness from everybody all the time. And then I don't get angry when it doesn't happen. <laughs> my name is Nancy Prendergast, and I run my own uh, public relations consultancy, Tama Communications. And this is my epiphany. 
Um, a few years ago, after living and working in London for a long time, I had the good fortune to be able to buy a house in the west coast of France. And I bought a nice, a good-sized house with a big garden. And uh, it was by the sea. It was everything I thought I wanted. Um, and what I found was that actually um, the house was, in fact, a bit big, and I spent a lot of my time looking after the house, cleaning and vacuuming and looking after the garden and repairing the roof and, and many things. And the house was, in fact, in good shape, but it was just a big house, and it, was, uh, and it took up a lot of my time. I recently had another good opportunity, which was to move to Paris um, into, a, 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 in, in effect, a borrowed flat, and it's 20 square meters. And I... I was nervous. I was very nervous. Moved from my nice big house, all the comforts, to a tiny little flat. But what I found was that being in the small space just freed me. It freed me to be creative, to think about the things that were important to me, to spend my time productively on things that, that I wanted to be doing, to be writing, to be reading, to be, uh, to be seeing the theater, the plays, all of those things that, um, that inspire me and stimulate me and um, just, in effect, have freed me. Hello, my name is Orla Coughlin and I am an HR executive focusing on leadership and professional development. My epiphany moment is when I discovered that the best way to be happy and fulfilled was to be my true authentic self and now it's wonderful that in the world that's okay to do. My name is Roisin Ingle and I'm co-producer of the Women's Podcast. Um, and my problem with epiphanies is that I seem to have an awful lot of them, but I don't actually do anything with many of them. So I have all these great ideas and things that I should change and then I don't follow through. So that's something I'm often criticising myself for. But the epiphany that actually came to fruition for me was um, a few years ago and it involved a very large uh, gin and tonic, you know, in one of those really big fishbowl glasses, which I always think is a good time to have an epiphany. And I was standing in a pub talking to someone who was telling me how they'd taken their child out of um, the school they were in in a national school and put them in another one and this person started to talk to me about how they were thriving and how they were worried about the change but actually it had been the making of this girl and as they spoke to me about this particular school which is a very small school in the centre of Dublin um, it's also a school where you have to be very involved in a choir and in music um, as they spoke I, it was genuine yeah, I can see myself standing there I can almost feel like some kind of uh, light shining on me as, as he was talking because I started to really feel that this was the school that my daughters needed to be at and there was nothing wrong with the school they were at so it wasn't like I'd been looking around but as he was talking it just felt like one of those moments of destiny talking to you and telling you what should happen next and I went home I was, it was a late night I think it was three o'clock in the morning when I got back and I remember waking my partner and saying to him that I thought that we should look into this school and see what would happen and he was just going what the heck are you talking about but in fairness to him uh, very soon afterwards we did go and visit it and anyway the upshot was they ended up a couple of years going to the school and it has been every single good thing that that seemed to come to me in that moment of epiphany and I don't know what it, what you would describe it as but that's what it feels like it feels like some kind of um, I was really listening and I was really uh, tuning in to what good messages were coming and it has proven to be one of the best decisions we've ever made and when you make a good decision for your children it feels so satisfying so that's my epiphany
Hi, my name is Emma Cassidy. Um, I'm a financial analyst and my epiphany came to me um, last summer when I ended up breaking my leg and it made me think about people who are in wheelchairs or have a disability and it wasn't until I was out with my friends and I was walking around town or in bars and when I went to go upstairs they didn't have any lifts it was it was all stairs so I couldn't go up or else get someone to help me to go up and it just opened my eyes to people with disabilities and that's how I think more now going into the future so yeah. My name is Cathy Sheridan I'm an Irish Times columnist and I'm also a co-presenter on the women's podcast and my epiphany is about picking your battles about 15 years ago, I was at loggerheads with someone, quite publicly, when a sister of mine said, how will this look to you in five years' time? Is it worth it? Now, that doesn't sound terribly important, and I don't stick to it always, sadly. But I've made a start, and it has made a big difference in my life. So pick your battles, um, and it might work for you. And that's all we have time for. I really hope you enjoyed it. We certainly enjoyed making it and I'll be listening back to that myself just to get more inspiration. So happy Nulag Naman. May all your epiphanies be great ones. The podcast is produced by me, Roisin Ingle, and by Suzanne Brennan with JJ Vernon on sound. Hope 2020 is treating you well so far. We'll talk to you next time. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.